How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me as always from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, how's it going, sir? How's your internet going? It's working now. <laughs> so that's, that's just good. strike three of this podcast. Holy moly. Oh my god. I know. Thank God we're not being sponsored or paid for this, eh? Because God. The tomfoolery that we have to deal with on our end, Tim, ridiculous. I can't believe people offer. I know, right? This isn't Bush League. This is a Bush League <laughs> operation here. No kidding. Good Lord, man. Good Lord. So how's it going, buddy? <laughs> you know, we're living. <laughs> thankfully, we're thankfully on the air. Finally, it only took us a couple of times to finally get this About half an so- hour. To start the episode, pretty much. yeah, because <laughs> yeah. basically, how did this go? We started off, we weren't happy with the intro. Second one, the internet crapped out on me. And this is third attempt. <laughs> I guess third time's the charm. Yeah, third attempt plugs over here is what we are, man. Yikes. Yeah, how's everything going in the Jency household, man? Ah, you know, going well, going well. Uh, a lot of shoveling, but way she goes. Yeah, you guys been hit with another snowstorm this week? Yeah, we're we should be getting another 15 centimeters tonight. Now, you and I were talking about this earlier and you were saying that this is not going to be one of these snowstorms where it snows and then gone it's gone after a couple of days. Yeah, we're supposed to be like negative 30 by Thursday. Oof, it's almost just like some of the senators plus minus over the last couple of years, Tim. You know. Yeah. So, Tim, thankfully, though, this is our third attempt trying to get this episode off the ground. We're going to have a great episode ahead of us. We actually got three. No, actually, we don't have three wins to talk about. We should have had three wins to talk about. But we're going to start off this episode by talking about today's cover athlete for today's episode, season six, episode 18, in chronological order, episode 142, the Victor Lodin edition of the third line plug, Sensecast. So just a little background about Victor Loden. He was drafted 94th overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2019. He played one NHL game for Ottawa last season and is currently with the Belleville Senators recording six goals, nine assists for 15 points in 28 games this season. He's definitely one of those guys where I feel like you hear about him on a slow Twitter day. I really don't know if we'll see much of him in the NHL, to be honest. Yeah, he's one of these guys that when I was sitting down writing all this stuff over today's episode, it just really came down to what do you really say about him? There's there's no real anything really to say about him. He played yeah, one look, game for his last year. Yeah, he played one game. The AHL totals are fine. We've got 23 points in 38 games. We might see him as a call-up. I mean, we have seen him as a call-up, but at 23, I'm not sure what we got here. And for a fourth rounder in a 2019 in the 2019 draft, it's not bad. No, we've done worse. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But I mean, Victor Lodine is going to be one of these guys who, not seeing an AHLer, maybe a bottom six AHLer at best. Yeah, so he might he might just pull a Jonathan Dolan and go back to Sweden. Maybe who knows. Yeah. You know, I was actually reading something about it wasn't 
the Swedish Elite League. I think it was in Finland. Did you realize that their leading score for the season wears a gold helmet? Yo, that's hype. Right? Can you imagine if the NHL did something like that? What, just give Connor McDavid a golden helmet? Yeah. But doesn't Vegas already have the gold, the golden helmets and LA has the chrome dome? Yes. That is true. I feel like to... you're kind of stepping on their vibe there. Yeah, we would have to be creative. Maybe, oh, maybe it's like Vegas's reverse retro jersey where it glows in the dark. Yo, that thing's so cool. It is pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. So, Tim, as much as we can sit here and just try to make like we know who Victor Loden is, I think we should move along here and announce next week's cover athlete poll for season six, episode 19, and chronological order, episode 143. Now, thankfully, we have two guys on the board that we can actually talk sends about. Peter Regan and Roman Wick. Can we really talk more about Roman Wick than we did about Victor Loden here? I think we can. I guess. Actually, it's really funny because I, I forgot to put the Victor part of Victor Loden in, and the first thing that popped up for me was a character from Beyblade. I'm like, huh, that's that's really something. Now, refresh my memory, Beyblade, that was the... It was like Those the, the tops, yeah. Yeah, okay. I was assuming I thought it was one of those shows, you know, like when Dragon Ball Z first came out, yeah, years and years ago, and they kind of had like the B version and C version of that show. Oh, yeah, like it was the anime that someone wanted. It's like, oh, the kids like the cartoons, better bring over some more of them Japanese cartoons. Yeah, this Beyblade one's cheap. Let's bring that over, like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. But for some reason, it got like moderately popular in North America, and they brought like the toys over. And I remember my uh, elementary school in Halifax was big into them. And then we learned that you could like put like metal bits in them, and then we sharpened the metal bits. Yeah, I was gonna say were the Beyblades. They were the ones that had like the rigid edges, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, I was one of the things I was trying to think what Beyblades were, because I vaguely have a recollection of those. But it was just we're like, I was just trying to remember what that was. Was it a toy? Was it an anime? It's both. It just goes to show, like, really how much gravita Victor Loden is. Is if you forget his first name, you get freaking Beyblades. So basically what you're saying is that we should have named Beyblade to be our cover athlete. We, we, <laughs> cover athletes. we can have Victor loaded as the cover athlete and then just a picture of a fucking Beyblade. What if it was a Beyblade with Victor Loden's face on it? Can you Photoshop that up in five minutes? Oh, I'm not got no Greg. No, I can't. I don't have the kind of skills that... See, and that's the thing. If I had those kinds of skills where I could do Photoshop and all that kind of stuff, think of how lit our Instagram and Twitter pages would be. Honestly, it's a lot... Like, Photoshopping stuff is a lot easier than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Especially with a lot more of the magic tools. I've done some shop Photoshopping for uh, Wild Wild Wise. I learned how to do it in high school. I took one of the digital media courses. Same. Yeah, it's, but yeah, it's even easier now, especially with like layers and masks. God, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to 
remember who the teacher was who did that course now. Oh, Meyer? Mr. Meyer. Yeah, that's right. I remember that guy. Yeah, nice guy. No, he was a great guy, man. He's a great guy. So, Tim, I got to ask the question that I always ask every week because I love hearing about it and our listeners love hearing about it. How has your week been going, man? It's been good. Chelsea and I are learning to dance. Yeah. Now, what kind of dance are we talking? Are we talking Napoleon Dynamite? Are we talking the shuffle? No, we're most we're learning like a mix of ballroom and Brazilian Zouk. What's Brazilian Zouk? It's like a more fluid partner dance. Okay. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that impact imparts something on us. That should be good. That's good. I, I really can't tip my hat to the fact that you guys are at least learning how to dance for your guys' wedding. Yeah. Well, it's like if you guys have to sit there and watch the first dance, we'd better be interesting to watch. So and not just middle, middle school dance for four minutes. Oh, I was going to say. So basically what I'm hearing, Tim, is that it's going to be like, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. and Mrs. Jensi comes up for the first dance and all you hear is Jim Araquay. Dude, if you if you and Chelsea did that, I would be like, oh my god, this is amazing. <sighs> the worst part is, is we discussed that. Just learning the Napoleon Dynamite dance and like, oh no, I don't have I don't have like three months to learn that. Okay, honest question. I don't know how much of Jamaicway's music you've heard, but what do you think of that guy? It's surprisingly varied, which I appreciate because, like, he definitely kind like Jamiroquai gets kind of pushed into like that disco sphere because most people are familiar with Can Heat, but it is kind of all over the place, and it's neat. You know what, Jamiroquai is one of those guys who, like, the way I look at it, it's like everybody knows what Can Heat was, and that other song which. Virtual Insanity. That's the one I'm yeah. thinking of where you have the everything moving, which is so cool. I think people remember the video more than they remember the song. Right. But he's one of those guys who I think that he's a weird guilty pleasure, I think, for people. Because nobody openly admits that they like Jamiroquai. Jamiroquai I like Jamiroquai. Will, I don't mind Jamiroquai. Like, Jamiroquai will never be anybody's favorite artist. But he'll be that one that you listen to and be like, yeah, okay. I like it. I can deal with that. No, no, I like him. And it's just like that variety. Mm. Actually, you know what it turned out? I didn't realize that I like Chromio until Chelsea started like put on uh, old 45s. Right. Just a fun bit of funk. Okay. And it turns out that uh, old 45s music video has John Heater in it. Speaking about Napoleon Dynamite. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's a guy that you don't hear about anymore, eh? He was he was one of those guys I think people had pegged to be a star for a couple of years. And then he just did some movies that weren't that good. And he sort of went away. He's like Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah was like that year a couple of years later, where it was like he was a big star coming off of like super bad, and then he does Scott Pilgrim versus the world, and then nothing. And then he was in Juno too. Like he was in a bunch of those yeah, really Juno. big in, indie movies. And then yeah, Scott Pilgrim hit, and people realized, oh, maybe indie movies aren't. Was Scott Pilgrim the high watermark for the indie genre, or was it the movie that jumped the shark? 
yeah, like I think it's like, was that the one where people are like, maybe not? Okay, so I'm gonna say something that might blow your mind. I've never seen Scott Pilgrim. I've never seen Juno, but also I've never seen Napoleon Dynamite the entire way through. Really? Yeah, and it's weird. It's one of those. But you know those movies that people quote so much to the point where you think that you've seen the movie even though you haven't? That's Napoleon Dynamite for me. Like, all the key moments that people reference, like Uncle Rico and Tina and, <laughs> you know, Vote Pedro and Vote Your Sensei, you know, stuff, yeah. scenes like that. People have quoted that and I've seen the things on social media about it. It's just to the point where I feel like I've seen it. And I remember, like, I don't think I've actually sat down and watched it the entire way through. It's funny because I feel like in Napoleon Dynamite, there's a lot more heart than it gets given when it just kind of gets quoted completely out of context. Because it is just like this earnest movie about the direct. So the movie is sort of autobiographical about the director. Right. And being a weirdo growing up in a small town area, a small town. Mm. So, like, you can kind of tell, like, there's this earnest movie that gets hidden behind these kind of an ironic presentation. But it's like, it's this earnest, I don't want to say love letter, but like portrayal of what his life was like. And it's, that's what makes the movie interesting. And it's just very out there sense of humor is, I think, what endeared it to people. Scott Pilgrim sucks. You didn't miss anything. And if a movie, if Second Cup is featured heavily in a movie, I just keep on walking. Scott Pilgrim is one of those movies that I've heard very mixed things about it. But it seems like the people who really like that movie really like that movie. Like they are very defensive when people don't like it. That's Scott Pilgrim versus the world in general. Like the the comic itself is like that. Where the fans of Scott Pilgrim are very much fans of the comic. While I look at it, it's like, this looks like shit. Read it. Oh, this reads like shit. Put it down. Like, it's just not very good. So it's like, I can kind of see that being like the oh shit moment for Michael Sarah's career. Yeah, it's very different than some of these books that get turned into movies where you have the crowd of people that are like oh the books are way better than the movies yeah well i think uh yeah for scott pilgrim it's it's the whole package yeah i find that there's very few film franchises that are based on books people argue that the books were better i find that people here's a here's a good one i think everybody thinks because everyone really likes the movies lord of the rings Oh, you could start a nerd argument so easily with that, really? Tay. Like, I yes. imagine, like, yeah, but that's something that I don't really think about. I don't really think of people de- arguing where the book's better. Just because of how grand of scale the movies were. Oh, God, people argue whether Tom Bombadil should have been cut or not. And they will, f- there's people who argue, like, the cartoon from the 90s is better than the Jack. Peter Jackson? Peter Jackson movies. Like, yeah, no. That's a fucking nerd fight you're stepping on. I don't care. I don't like Tolkien's writing style. Yeah. So I'll agree with you. Yeah, the films are better, but no, people will fight you on that one. Uh, what's other ones that people will fight? 
oh, there's people who say the I've heard people say the Bond novels are better than the Bond movies. I've heard people say Jurassic, well, Jurassic Park, the movie and Jurassic Park, the book are very different things. Yeah. Same with Starship Troopers. See, I really like Starship Troopers, the movie. I remember when I was a kid, I really liked it. But here's the thing, because you mentioned Jurassic Park. I will go to my grave arguing that's one of the most overrated movies of all time. If I'm being perfectly honest, I watch, I've seen Jurassic Park a couple of times the entire way through, and I just sit there and I'm like, it's it's cool to see the dinosaurs, like when you see the T-Rex and just the scope and the scale of it, but I'm just, I sit there and I'm like, I could give two shits about the characters of Jurassic Park, except oh, yeah. for Jeff Goldblum, because everyone loves Jeff Goldblum. I think it's a really well-produced B-movie. And like, when you view it through that lens, yeah, it's a fun hour and a, it's a fun 90 minutes. There was not enough Jeff Goldblum for me. Just so. <laughs> oh, well, it's like, and one thing I do have to say about Jurassic Park is the practical effects, the dinosaurs themselves, given those are animatronics yeah. and not CG, are incredible. Some of it, the CG, but for the most part, it was animatronics. It was mostly animatronics, yeah, yes. which is incredible. And that's always been the debate with people about CG versus animatronics, because there's a big difference like when you see an animatronic versus CG, because you can tell the animatronic is there. You can tell like you're physically looking at something. Like the thing I find with CG is I, I'm a great appreciator of practical effects. And I guess like my thing with CG is like CG, it can be used to cut corners mm-hmm. or to make like incredible, incredible, like very, very good CG might actually be on par in cost with good practical but like mediocre cg it's cheap and you can tell yeah but like if you have very good actors who know how to act properly with cg and very good cg effects people that can ride you can get something that is more i think just more stunning okay but it going back to lord of the rings a lot of there's a quite a bit of CG in that movie. Yeah, and you wouldn't tell. Yep. But it's like it's mixed in with a lot of very good practical effects as well. Like I, I didn't realize that the hobbits were actually small people. <laughs> like I remember, uh, freaking, why is his name blanking on me? Frodo's actor. Oh God, I know. Um, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. I thought he was in real life. I thought he was a little person. Chelsea's like, no, he's like six foot. What? Because I wanted to go to Calgary Expo when he was Elijah Wood was there and be like, ha, oh, 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 you are so small. And then, and then she's like, no. He's your height. And he's like, oh. And I'm like, Chelsea, that's like 15 years of illusion. You just broke like 15 years of suspended disbelief just broken. Yeah. I don't know if I could go back and watch. Can I go back and watch Lord of the Rings now, now that I know that all of those people were not little people? You know what, though? I think it's movie. There, there are certain, It's movie magic. It's right? totally movie magic. I mean, it's like when you watch Terminator 2 and you realize like when the T-1000 gets blown in half, you know that's, that's CG. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, Terminator 2 was so good. But you know what? When you talk about cheap CG, if you go back... And watch some of like the big blockbuster movies from the late 90s, like Spawn, Independence Day, Jurassic Park 2. 
God. Okay, going back to Jurassic Park, I think that's why I didn't like the original is because I saw the sequels first. And I just went, he's not that good. And then I watched the original and I was like, I don't really care for this either. Jurassic Park 3 was, uh, that was low rent. I saw that in the theater. And, you know, looking back on it, it's one of those movies that it knew exactly what it was. It was a fee movie. It was 90 minutes. They didn't have like long plot points. It was basically, here's Dr. Grant. Here's the island with all the dinosaurs. Go. Why are these people on the island? You don't need to know. Yeah. Human interest? No. And it's weird because you look at some of the actors they have in Jurassic Park 3 and you're like, these are good actors. Why did, other than maybe a really good paycheck, why didn't you agree to this? Maybe they thought it would be better. I don't know. I don't know, man. So I do want to talk a little bit about my weekend because I went to an establishment with Katrina yesterday. That an establishment? It was a good establishment. Yes. You, Chelsea, and I have also been to Floyd's Diner. Oh, okay. Yep, because Katrina had never been to Floyd's in Langford. So I took her for breakfast yesterday because she had to get some work clothes for her new job tomorrow. I go to Langford. And, you know, it's Sunday. It's busy, half hour wait. I was like, okay, no worries. I'll I'll wait. It's not a big deal. So we get in there. She orders the lumberjack breakfast. Now, I got to ask a question, Tim. Now, you've been to Floyd's a couple of times, correct? Yep. Do you know what the Mahone is? Oh, yeah. They serve you whatever they want. Nominal price, $15. Flip the coin. If heads, you get the meal for free. Tails, you pay double. I ordered the Mahone. Oh, what'd you get? Just because I was very curious. I was like, I was looking at the menu. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. But I looked at the Mahone. I'm like, I wonder what that would be. So I ordered the Mahone. I had no idea what was coming to the table. My food comes to me. It was two Monte Cristos cut in four pieces. Okay. And a poutine underneath. Yo, that's hype. I looked at, I will send you the picture of this meal. I literally looked at this and I'm like, Oh, Jesus. Like, there's no way I'm going to finish this. And it was one of the things, because I had a boozy milkshake to go with it. That's what killed me. It was all the cream from that. I tried my best man, to eat the fight through it. I was like, I got through three pieces. I was around my fourth. Katrina looks at me and she goes, just stop. Just stop. Like, you're going to make yourself sick. No, I got to do it. I tried. I couldn't finish it. You know those meals where, like, your eyes are bigger than your stomach when you see a meal? That was that. My God, did I ever tell you about the Dodairs I used to get in Ottawa? No, I think you might have, but I want you to tell us. Yeah, story. so there's this place, it's the same thing, this place called, uh, shoot, it's uh, Halifax Donair on Bronson. I think it was called Bronson Street Donairs. And uh, it's Halifax-style st- Donairs. Did they have the slab? I never went in. I always ordered it takeout. With extra meat, and it's there is only one proper type of donair that you eat when it's on sale for ten dollars. It's a shitty wrap with questionable quality meat, just covered in the sweet donair sauce, and you accept that shit. That's a perfect two a.m. drunk meal. I ordered it at five p.m. because I remember uh, I was texting texting one of my colleagues at the bank. I'm like, I don't want to make food today. Have you considered Donair pizza? Does anywhere make it? 
she sends me the place. I'm like, oh shit, they just have the wraps. Tim, that is so questionable. Take a photo, send it to Chelsea, send it to Megan. Or, or you got the extra meat too. You're a fucking monster. And I remember eating it. And it was like the first time in my life I was eating the I was eating this wrap that was literally the size of my forearm. And like I should I should sit down. And then I should take a break from this. <laughs> and then I finished it. And Chelsea's like, Tim, you were supposed to call me after dinner. I was moving after dinner, honey. She's like, <laughs> she's like, where? Yeah, like, and then you get the meat sweats. You're just like, Chelsea. and then she, she came and Chelsea came and visited me while I was in Ottawa, uh, like a month or so later. I'm like, hey, do you want to get donairs? No. <laughs> was she was she still going to school in Victoria at the time? Yeah. She, oh wow. Oh god. You know what? I have to say, I. That's one on my bucket list. I would love to go to Halifax because I want to try an authentic Halifax style donair, but the not just from a store. I want to go and eat some dirty street meat. I want to go from a fucking cart. I was oh, I was gonna say George Street, but that's in Newfoundland. But <laughs> yeah, just on like the main one of the big main strips in Halifax. I just want to go there and have a dirty donair. Because actually, okay, you know it's funny because you were talking about this. I know you never saw the show The League on FX. Right. And so there was an episode where Taco, who was played by John LaJoy, he was uh he came up with this jingle for this place, Yoba Goya. It was like very much how you described it, just that very 2 a.m. drunk meal sort of food. It was just like a bucket of meat of like meat for like 10 bucks. And so it's a great episode. And one of the guys ends up eating one of the buckets because Taco wins the spoiler. Taco wins the jangle contest. So his brother Kevin's sitting there eating the Yobagoya and he ends up getting really sick because of oh. the handling and the preparation of the food. Because they tried, because um, Roxanne was trying to argue it was actually the handling and the preparation, not the meat itself, that made people sick. Which is also oh very funny because Roxanne's boss in that episode was Ray Liotta. It's actually <laughs> it's, it's actually one of my favorite episodes. But yeah, that's what I just thought of. That's immediately what I thought of when you were telling me about this about the Halifax down there. Oh, I was thinking of my other like two a.m. food place in Victoria, Athena Pizza, because they also had the footlong donairs. Is that downtown Halifax? Yeah. Oh, I know we exactly used... which one you're talking about. I've been there once. We used to phone in after, like, uh, during undergrad, uh, when we'd be, when we wouldn't even be drunk. So this is when I used to be a community leader at UVic, mm -hmm. and it would be like one a.m. and it was like, oh, other neighborhoods are still loud. This is gonna be a long night. Better call in for the giant fucking arm-sized donair. <laughs> I'm really surprised. Like with a lot of East Coasters that live out out here, I'm surprised that. Donair shops are not as prevalent as you would think. Well, Victoria like, is small. I know Victoria is small, but there is not even like on the island itself. Well, didn't the Donair place in Duncan didn't it have two and both of them closed? 
Mm, no, they had uh, Pegasus. They had the Greek place, which I never had. I've heard they actually made Donairs, which weren't very good. I, I've never tried one, but there was a Don- Bandos. Uh, a Donair place? No, Bandos. I think was stir fry. Right. There was a. Okay, so you might remember this. Like, remember that that one corner place r- directly across from the field at, at Cal High? That yes. It was like, it went from like a pizza place to whatever to the, it was like, it changed hands so many times. Yeah. So Rick, the guy who owns Rick's James Street Cafe, his ex-wife, who's actually from Halifax, had a donair shop. I, that's there. what I was thinking of. And she had the slab and she cut the meat off it and... I ate it. It was one of the greatest things I've ever had in my life. I went back a couple of times. Unfortunately, her and Rex split. I think she sold it off and whatever. Oh. I've gone back and it's not as good. They're not using this. They're not. They don't have the slab. They're just using like pre-cooked meat. Oh, so it doesn't get like the sh- the potential to be this charred, shitty, gelatinous thing. Yes. Like that is the thing. Like if you're paying like $16 sorry, like 20, 20 bucks for a donor, you're doing it wrong. Actually, I actually, I recant that entirely. There's uh there's this place on Stephen Avenue that has Halifax style donairs for, I think 15 bucks. And it's in just like in one of the bars, but if you pay $4 more, they put brother's pepperoni on it. So brother's pepperoni is a famous Halifax pepperoni. And it's like, this is destroying my heart, but this is incredible. Okay. So are you saying after your wedding in a couple of months, there's going to be drunk people going over to this place to get donairs? We're going to be in Victoria. Oh, is this not? Oh, that, oh that's is that in Halifax? That's it. That... No, that's in Calgary. Oh, that's in Calgary. I said Stephen Avenue. Yeah. Oh, shit. I thought you were talking about it here. No, no, no. Uh, although we are pretty close to Athena donair. Oh god! It, you know, and you know what? You watch. It's gonna be your Ottawa boys that get sick from eating that. Oh no! Have you seen the shit they eat? No. Imagine me on my worst days. I don't think I've ever seen those days. To be honest with you. Uh, hmm. In grad school, I ate an entire bucket of Popeyes chicken in one sitting. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Sorry. I think we have hockey to talk about. We do have hockey to talk about. I do want to comment on one thing because you mentioned fried chicken. I was listening to Conan O'Brien has a podcast. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. And so he had <laughs> Dave Grohl as one of his guests. And he's talking about his tour manager was also Conan's tour manager when he went on tour years ago. And so... Dave Grohl's talking to him, and he says, you know what I would love after the show? He goes, what? A bucket of KFC. Because it was just weird. He mentioned it on the podcast. I said, like, yeah, I haven't had a bucket of fried chicken since I was like nine, going to soccer practice. <laughs> and so Dave Grohl is eating a bucket of chicken, and he just looks like a raccoon ravaging some garbage. <laughs> Grohl's talking about this, and he goes, you know, he's looking around, because he just, all the salt in his system now from from playing and now he's got it through the chicken he's like oh i need something to drink there was just a ball of champagne that just happened to be there so he cracks it <laughs> up and starts drinking it with the tri chicken oh that's incredible and then of course he goes on tour and he's in france so him and his keyboard player get harleys and they go into the champagne region of france yep 
and so they go into like this estate where it was like a very upscale like Winston Churchill was there and all this kind of cool stuff. So anyway, he's in a garden with his keyboard player, and there here's other champagnes. Like you know, this really goes good with fish and pasta and whatever. And Dave sits there and he goes, "Hey, hey, you know what actually goes really good with fried chicken? Because what?" He goes, "No, actually, you know, hey, you know what really goes well with champagne? What? Fried chicken, man!" <laughs> and the guy, and he's like a very upscale fried chicken. What is this about you, fried chicken? <laughs> so. Dave Grohl did not make a friend that day. He did not make a friend that day. However, <laughs> you know what he also didn't do that day, Tim? Is segueing to this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Nice. Mm-hmm. You know the sad thing about that segue? I, I liked it, but you can tell it was coming. Yeah. You can tell that it was coming. You can tell that I was trying to fit that in there. But, hey, we're on our third attempt of this episode, Tim. (laughs) Basically, you know, everything goes out the window at this point. Now, unfortunately, what doesn't go out the window in this episode, Tim, is my hatred of talking about death on top of the air. Now, unfortunately, we got two stories to talk about regarding death. And we're going to start off with, I don't know if I can consider this Ovi watch because it didn't happen on the ice. But Washington Capitals captain Alexander Ovechkin has taken an indefinite leave of absence following the passing of his father, Miguel. Yeah, this one's tough because uh, it kind of sounds like it's a bit of a hit for the whole team, too, because he was always in and around the the rank. Yeah, it just seems like the Ovechkin clan was always around, and now he's got Ovi Jr. in the locker room, and... It's really, really cool seeing some of the videos that you see of him on the ice and stuff. Hmm. Now, actually, but, talk about, sorry, talk about the Washington Capitals because they just did their outdoor game. Did you see that video that got posted of the dog given the fist bumps with its paw? No, I didn't. It was really cute. That does sound cute. It dropped the, dropped the first puck, too. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Now, we're going to move on and talk about another story involving death, Tim. Former Calgary Flames assistant coach Paul Gerrard passed away at the age of 57 following a battle with cancer. Gerrard spent 26 seasons in various coaching roles with Colorado Avalanche, Dallas Stars, and Calgary Flames following a 10-season playing career. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Just uh, it sounds like the guy was really well-respected throughout the NHL, and they were talking about this uh, sudden passing in... I believe it was the Calgary game. And it just sounds like another guy that's going to be missed league-wide. Yeah, and you know what's really sad? Like, these assistant coaches, like, they very much are the glue guys when it comes to the coaching staff because it's very much like the good cop, bad cop thing with head co- with coaches because you have the head coach that has to be the bad cop where the assistant coach is more of, like, the buddy. Yeah. Buddy to the player. And I think that's a role, like, I think even Jamie McClendon talked about that in his book when he was in the coaching staff, too, because I think he worked under Daryl Sutter. I don't know if he was there when Keenan was head coach. If we ever get him back on the show, I want to ask him about that, if he was if he was on the coaching staff with Mike Keenan, because I know, you know, he played for him as a player in St. Louis, but, yeah. you know, that's a story for another day, Tim. Mm-hmm. 
So we're going to give a quick congratulations, Tim. Arizona Coyotes goaltender Connor Ingram set the NHL record for most saves in a first NHL shutout with 47 during the team's game versus Tampa Bay. Ingram is also a former Lightning draft pick. You know what really pisses me off about the story, Tim? What? The second game of this evening, Sens and Islanders, Kevin Mandelis had 46 saves. If only he got the shutout. Yeah. That would be his record. That's so annoying. But it's also very funny because uh, the big hyped up game for this week, that day even, was uh, the Leafs versus the Blackhawks because Mrazek was in net. And the Leafs had this crazy over-under. Sorry, like this crazy edge on the game in the books. So people are like, oh, this is going to be uh, Mrazic's revenge game. Nope, it's Connor Ingram with like the twice removed <laughs> revenge game. So basically people were betting on the over-unders? Yeah. Well, it's the only way you can make even win on that. See, and this is the only time in the episode that we'll ever talk about sports betting. Because, come on, we're not being sponsored by a sports betting website. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Tim, you know... When we talk about the Ottawa Senators stories, we always leave it for the end. But this story that came out this week, very exciting for the fan base. And I felt we had to throw it right here, right now. Ryan Reynolds has joined the Remington Group as a partner in the group's bid to purchase the Ottawa Senators. Honestly, Ryan Reynolds, to me, can be nothing but a positive in a purchase of the Ottawa Senators. You see what he did with the Welsh football team. Yep. Because you now you have, this is, was a Rislix or Relix? I think so. I, I'm sorry if I'm completely butchering the name of that. But yeah, they have, I think it's like an Apple TV show and everything. And they're big merchandise sailors right now in Wales. And I think Sportsnet and TSN, I think Bruce Garriock was talking about it on another podcast their games were being shown on TSN and Sportsnet because of the involvement of Ryan Reynolds. So this is really, really cool. And it's funny. So I actually went to Out of Bounds, the sports store in Langford yesterday because I got myself a new Ottawa Senators shirt. Okay. Because I don't want to name names. My other shirt got stolen. Oh. That's okay. And I was talking to the guy at the counter and I said, man, like it's it's really great to walk into a store and you have so much Sen stuff. And he goes, yeah, like, give it another couple of years. Like, this team's going to be unreal. But it was just all the hype for Ryan Reynolds. Like, that they had to start ste- start selling that stuff. It definitely puts the Suns on the map. It really does, Tim. It really does. Now, we're going to move away from talking about the Ottawa Senators and talking about the other Ontario team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, because they made a big splash this week, Tim. It, they did. The Toronto Maple Leafs have acquired forwards Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Akari from the St. Louis Blues in exchange for forwards Mikhail Abramov, Adam Gaudet, the Toronto Maple Leafs first round pick in 2023, the Ottawa Senators 2023 third round pick, Toronto's 2024 second round pick. Minnesota also acquired Toronto's 2025 fourth round pick in exchange for taking on some cap space. So hold on a second. Didn't Abramov play for the Sens too? Different Abramov. Oh, okay. Actually, it's funny because uh, the Athletic made that ish- made that mistake too. 
I do want to ask about what they gave up for Ryan O'Reilly because I know people on Twitter have been very critical of Ryan O'Reilly this season, especially because of how he's played in St. Louis. People think, oh yeah, he's cooked and he's whatever, but that's a big haul for a guy who was one of the big trade targets in heading into the trade deadline. Yeah, St. Louis did really well to get a first, a second. So, no, that was really good for them. I also like the pickup. And this is a tough one. Because if Ryan if Ryan O'Reilly fits, this is a great pickup for Toronto. But if it's anything else than perfect, this probably doesn't move the needle as much as grabbing a, a defenseman to shore up a banged up D or a goalie that's not going to just kind of crap himself like Samsonov has in clutch games previously. Toronto, they have cap space to work with, but they are they don't have assets anymore unless they like even Michael Knees, I'm not sure will get them a premier D rental. Yeah, and I'm just looking at his cap friendly right now. He is a UFA. He's a UFA this offseason, so that's a Big haul to give up for a guy who may or may not come back next season. Because it's all going to depend what Ryan O'Reilly wants. Because these last couple of seasons, he's definitely proven like what he can do after leaving Buffalo. He goes to St. Louis. He completely turns his game around. He wins the Smythe, wins the Stanley Cup. And I get that the Blues have not been as good since their cup run. But... Still, that's a big package to give up for a guy who may not come back next season. No, no, I get that. Yeah. Well, here's a big thing for me when talking about O'Reilly is, you know, because we talk, I'm talking about him potentially going to the offseason into free agency. If he comes back, what is Toronto going to be able to give him? Because it's not he's not going to be like Giordano where you can just give him maybe a million bucks or $2 million to stick around, he's going to get a big contract, that big final contract that's going to lead him into maybe retirement. Now, we're talking about Nolakari. I actually do like this as a depth pickup for Toronto. And, you know, I think that's one that we're not really talking a lot about because Nolakari was very good in Boston. He goes to St. Louis, was fairly decent there. And now he comes to Toronto where he's going to be a good depth pickup for them. I'll praise that, but I'm just kind of, I'm very on the fence when I really think of Ryan O'Reilly. Like, good on Kyle Dubas for trying to make that big splash to get Toronto over that hump of the first round, but that's a big gamble, especially when you give up and you don't have the assets, because if it fall, if it all falls apart and Toronto is forced to sell guys off to fit under the cap, what are you going to get back for them? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, like Toronto does have to go for it. Like that's just the way the rush, the roster is structured. Yeah. So it's like, I, I can't fault them for the move. We'll just see how it goes. The hard thing is, is what does Tampa do? Because that's barring some sort of massive fluctuation in the standings. Mm-hmm like Toronto or Tampa bottoming out or one of them somehow surpassing Boston. It's not going to happen. That's 
that's going to be the first round matchup second year in a row. Boston, that's this, that team is just incredible right now. And this is a team that we've been saying for the last couple of years, like, oh yeah, they're on the downswing. They're not going to be as good. The Bruins just refuse to go down. Yeah. Like, because they beat Ottawa tonight, they're 43, 8, and 5. Like, it's stupid. But we're going to, like, that's the tough thing is, like, even if Toronto beats the Bolts, which is a pretty tough order on its own, Mm -hmm. they're running into that. Yeah. I think for, sorry, talk about the Bruins here for a second. I think it'll be really interesting to see how many wins they finish with because they're at 43 right now. It's late February season goes to what late mid to late April. Yep. I'm going to say like, they're going to hit mid to high fifties. There's a very good possibility. They could potentially hit 60. Oh, and have the 120 point season. Yep. To me, it's not because right now they've lost 13 overall, overall, and two of them was against us. (laughs) Because like their point percentage right now is like it's in the 80s, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like it's something stupid. Uh, We are at a point percentage of 0.813. So 80, 164 times 0.813. If we just draw a straight trend line, that gets us to 183 times 164. That gets us to 133, which is bonkers. Yep. It's not even the 2018-2019 uh, Tampa Bay Lightning did that. Yeah, and that's the example right there of you absolutely steamroll everybody in the regular season. And then you see what happens in the playoffs. You know who is a great example of that? The Florida Panthers of last season. That won all those games. They barely got out of the first round. Hey, they at least got out of the first round. I know, but remember how they played in the first round and you and I were just like, how how did they just barely get out of that? And then they go into the second round and Tampa Bay just feeds them their lunch. Right. But I at least think the difference here is you have the Bruins who have been there, done that in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, we've got a couple of re-signings to talk about. The Los Angeles Kings have re-signed defenseman Mikey Anderson to an eight-year, $33 million contract with an AAP 4.125. Anderson have recorded two goals, 11 assists for 13 points in 58 games for Los Angeles. At the time of the signing. Actually, can we say one more thing about the Boston Bruins? Sure. At game number 55, which is the last one that the Bruins just played, I believe. Okay. They are currently tied for the most points at 55 games. If they continue this pace of play, they will have the most points in an NHL season since the 1976 Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I'm trying to think how many did they they won 60. I remember that. Yeah, like it was the record is 62. Record uh 68 and 12 was that 76 Canadians team. Okay, 
but I'm talking like the po like the post ruling of like the overtimes and all that stuff that came into effect in the ties. Uh, the next highest, I I don't even know. Sixty-two would be ninety-five, ninety-six Red Wings and the eighteen, nineteen Lightning. Lightning, yeah. But like that's just how insane of a run these Bruins are on. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be scary, man. So we're talking about this re-signing for the Los Angeles Kings. You know, and you and I have praised the LA Kings in the past when it comes to their signings and some of the acquisitions they've made. Honestly, that's a fairly smart pickup for LA. You get them at a team-friendly cap hit for a long tenure. Yeah. And Mikey Anderson's definitely one of those guys who's on the upswing. So... Very nice pickup for for LA. Yeah. And he, you know, LA's been one of those teams, and I've said this in the past on the show. Like LA's definitely been one of those teams that I've been very happy with how they've just been quietly going along their way, rebuilding that team. And it looks like they're going well. And you know, even we were talking about last week with Phoenix Copley re-signing. I think the inconsistent goal has really hurt the Kings, but overall the team's been pretty good. To be fair, though. To be fair. The Pacific is dog shit. I know. And I'm trying I'm trying to be friendly towards LA, but yes, you're absolutely right. The Pacific is. Like if the Sens were in the Pacific, we'd be fighting for a playoff spot. Well, keep in mind we're in the toughest division in hockey and we're fighting for a spot right now. Yeah, at 58 points, we'd be a few back of the Flames. And if we were in the Pacific, we'd get to play crap teams like San Jose, Anaheim, and Vancouver more often. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. So we're going to move on to talk about the next re-signing. Detroit Red Wings have re-signed defenseman Ole Mata to a two-year, $6 million contract with an AAV of three. Mata had recorded five goals, 12 assists for 17 points, and 14 games for Detroit. At the time of the signing. Ole Mata has been one of those guys that I've always liked his game. Going back to his time in Pittsburgh, I always thought he was a very good right shot defenseman. A very good compliment to Chris Letang. Because Letang was a very good, like that first pairing right shot. He was definitely the very, he was essentially the Robin to Letang's Batman. Right. So then he goes to LA. It doesn't obviously hit for him as much now granted he was hurt which explains why he doesn't have the the points as much with the kings but he goes to detroit and it seems like he's found his game again but he's also stayed healthy yeah well i think it also helps that it's just he does get to play a bit further down the lineup in kind of that second third pairing role yeah i actually thought olimato was older than he was given how long he's been in the league. You know what's funny? You definitely think of guys who have been in the league for years and you tend to forget that they are the age they are. Holy Mata's 28. Yeah, that's right. Because you think of guys because they joined the NHL at 18. And then you realize like, oh my God, they're almost 30. Like Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. And like, Gabriel Landeskog. I thought Holy Mata was like 32, 33. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's a fair contract to take him out of the league, but two by three for a like a good middle pair second defense 
defensive defenseman is a fantastic contract. No, I very much like it for Detroit, and I like it for Olimata. So we're going to close up top of the hour by talking about the Anaheim Ducks because they have unveiled their logo for their upcoming 30th anniversary. This is what it is. Isn't it just the duck? Yeah, it's just basically what it is. It's the triangle with a 30 in the sticks. Wow, so creative. Yeah, there's a there's a TikToker who goes by Annie, who's a big Anaheim Ducks fan. And then she made a comment about this and she says, if the Ducks are going to do something for the 30th anniversary, they're not going to do it a couple of weeks before the trade deadline. They're going to wait till the summer. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see what the Ducks do for their 30th anniversary. Like, do they bring back the teal and eggplant? Do they do a commemorative jersey for the Rivers Retros? Do they do something really cool? Dixie Cup. Dixie Cup. I think for the 30th anniversary, I think, you know what? You might see maybe Ryan Getzloff have his number retired. You might have. I think I don't think Shiger's number's retired, is it? In Anaheim? Does Anaheim have any other retired numbers? They have Korea and Solani. Right. Yeah, but maybe they bring back... Jaguar wasn't that with them that long, though, was he? Yeah, yeah. But I thought he went up, moved on to Toronto. Uh, he was there for a while. That's true. Yeah, he was there for both their cop runs. Right. Yeah. Honestly, you know what I really want to see for their 30th anniversary? They bring back the 93-94 Ducks just so we can say that we interviewed former Anaheim Duck Ron Tugnut. That would be a good one, yeah. That would be good, man. That would be good. Well, Tim, that closes off top of the hour for this week, which can mean only one thing. Time we're talking about some games. Now, we got three games on the schedule. We've got the Flames versus the Senators. Nope, there is a third retired Duck. Who's that? Scott Niedermeyer. Oh, need Niedemar. Yes, I completely forgot about that guy. <laughs> forgot about that guy. But yes, talking about the three games we're going to talk about this evening, we've got the Flames versus the Sens, Sens versus the Islanders, and the Blackhawks versus the Senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Flames versus the Senators. This is a 4-3 Senators overtime victory. Flames were scored by Dylan Dubebo 2 and Tyler DeFoley. Suns were scored by Brady DeChuck, Drake Batherson, Alex DeBrinkhead, and Tammy Stutzla in overtime. Shots for 37-25 for Calgary. Now, here's a point i need to bring up yeah was there two to chucks last year when the suns played the flames yeah where'd the other one go i don't know did he retire um maybe he just went and rented a place from uh your old co-worker in calgary maybe maybe that's what happened i don't know something something happened because he's no longer with the flames but it is weird that we're not talking about chuck bowl when it comes to the flames and sends anymore yeah, and it's a shame because that was always fun to watch in person, but it is what it is. This was a weird game where the best players on the ice were Ottawa's top line and Eric Brandstrom. Then pretty much the entire Calgary team and then the rest of the Sens. 
I think I could sum this game up in one word. Sensed. Pretty much. Because like, this is a game that I watched a bit of the first period when I was in the hospital getting my chest x-ray last Monday. I did see the Brady goal, and it was so funny, me sitting in the waiting room in the x-ray place, and I saw him score, and I tried so hard not to cheer. But then again, I didn't even get a chance to watch the game because once I got home, we recorded. And then I'm sitting here editing. And then you just went LMFA. No, LMAO. Sensed. <laughs> Labo sensed. Let's Labo go. Sensed. But yeah, this is such an interesting game where Ottawa kind of digs themselves a bit of a hole, plays out of it in the second. The Dubé goal looks like it in the third, looks like it should be a goal that's a knife in the heart. Then all of a sudden, Ottawa gets momentum. And yeah. you get two quick goals by Batherson and Debrinkit. You know what? I think we need to talk about Tim Stutzla, who got the OT winner and three assists on four shots. You know, we talk about how crazy it is that Tim found that extra gear, but I'm going to give him all kinds of credit on the third period. Is he was in- very instrumental on the comeback. We're definitely getting the shot off that Batherson tipped in. The Debrinkit one was definitely on him. Like he He just played amazing in the third period. Yeah, no, it was frankly one of the one of the best games I've seen Stutzla play, and we've seen a lot of very good hockey out of Tim Stutzla, so that's high praise. I mean, how many times have we said on the show like this is the best game we've seen Tim Stutzla play, or this is the best game? He's just having so many of these games, and you know the nice thing is we have him for eight more years at eight billion. Yep. Imagine if we didn't re-sign him. Think of the gap hit we'd have to pay him. Yeah, like this might go down as one of Pierre Dorian's better, if not best, contracts. Yeah, but we also can't forget that Brady to Chuck's contract is looking amazing. This guy's on pace for, what, 40 goals or something this year? Yeah. Yeah, and he's not even getting paid 8.2. Yeah, and what's nuts is both of them are going to get better. Yeah, no, those were great contracts by Pierre Dorian. Got Imagine it. if Brady Kachuk learns how to finish more than like half of his chances. Oh my God, that'd be so great. That would be amazing. You have no idea how great that'd be, Tim. Yeah. So the last guy, the other guy I want to talk about this game is Matt Solgar, 34 saves, a 0.919 save percentage. You know what's really funny? For a guy who's as big as he is, at, I think he's six seven or six foot eight. For a huge guy that he is, it's a. Ama- I always found it really impressive how technically sound he was in that game. Because get, big guys have yeah. to learn to play smaller, and I found you know who he found that was a big issue for was Ben Bishop. Because Ben Bishop played mm. big, and the puck went right through him. Whereas he, like with Solgard, he's six foot seven or whatever he is, and the guy just plays like he's six foot three. And he looked really good. In this yeah, game. like he's very nimble. Yeah. Like I can't. Yeah, and he definitely held, he definitely held Ottawa in, which is weird to say. Like the guy had a 0.92 save percentage, played a very good game. It was clean. Mm-hmm. No, and gave Ottawa good. the chance they win. You know what, though? What? Is Markstrom the new Evgeny Nabokov? Hmm, that's a good question. The guy is anti-clutch. Like, he will 
he's he saves the saves he needs to make but as soon as he gets into a pressure cooker situation it's all bets are off yeah i mean you can't say that in that seventh game against dallas last season but i that's think that's true. more because jake odinger just stood absolutely stood on his head because dallas didn't really come out firing no and then edmonton just torched him yeah so it's like i really don't know what to say he I'm getting Nabokov vibes. Yeah, and that's and that's really shitty given the contract that he has with Calgary. He needs But to... to be fair, he needs to be more clutch because it's not like he's a bad goaltender. It's not like Evgeny Nabokov was a bad goaltender either. No, he just fell apart when he need when he needed to step up. That's for sure, yeah. So do you want to head off into the second game of the evening, Tim? Yeah. Sens versus Islanders. This is a 3-2 Senators shootout victory. Sens goals scored by Tim Stutzla, Brady Tuchuk, and the Islander goals scored by Ryan Polak and Rock Nelson. Shots were 48-34 for the Islanders. We need to talk about just one person, Tim. Kevin Mandelis. Yep. First NHL start. First NHL win. 46 saves. .958 single-handedly won this game because i was watching a bit of this because this game happened on valentine's day valentine's day sorry and i'm sitting there watching it (laughs) and my first thought was how are we how are we in this that's the only thought this was another weird game where it was the only like one line showed up to play Mm -hmm. and like i get it it was the back end of a back-to-back where the team had to drive, sorry, had to fly from Ottawa to New York. Like it's a schedule loss. But yeah, Mandelize had a different opinion. He did. And you know what? It's so nice to see that with Cam Talbot out, and then you see Anton Fordberg blowing both of his, I think it's MCLs, yeah. MCLs or whatever in, bo- in both his knees, which by the way, and I was talking about this the other day, I said, you do realize he's our age. He's 31 yep. years old. And this guy's an NHL goaltender. That's an injury you either don't come back from, or if you do, you're never the same. So it's so nice yeah, to and see it's... both Matt Sogart and Kevin Mandelis, two guys that we drafted and developed, Came up big. Yeah. This game is super weird because it was like Ottawa came out, played really well, rung three shots off crossbars in the first, get a goal, Stutz's goal, then Brady Kachuk's goal in the third. Mm-hmm. And then they just stopped playing. They ran out of gas. And that's fair. Like you said, I mean, it was on a back to back. That's going to happen, right? Yeah. So it was, I think the Sens played about as well as they could up until that third period, but. Yeah, Mandalize is the reason they won. Oh, very much so. Very much so. Now, I do got two comments to make on this game. Now, number one, my dumbass did not realize or really think that maybe you weren't watching this game, given that it was Valentine's Day, and maybe you (laughs) were with Chelsea. But the other comment I want to make here, now this actually happened in between the Islanders game and the Blackhawks game. The Ottawa Senators made a trade. They sent Tyler Mott to the New York Rangers. And Tyler Mott. Yeah, this was interesting. Mott's one of those guys that when we got him, I had an old coworker who's a big Tyler Mott fan when he when he was with the Canucks. 
And she was like, yeah, man, Tyler Monty's going to be so good and all this stuff. I didn't really notice him. He had a very good, he had a really good preseason. And then it comes into this season and he had maybe one game that he looked really good and the rest he's just kind of there. Yeah, well, the big thing with Tyler Ma is just, yeah, he didn't show up. It's probably the best way to put it. He was definitely a guy where, do you think Tyler Mott was more hype more than anything else? Because you know, you see him with the set, not the center of the sets, but you see him with the Rangers, you see him with the Canucks. He seems like he's a pretty capable player, but then he comes to Ottawa and it just nothing there. Well, it's like he definitely was not known for his offensive prowess, but four goals is uh, bad. Yeah. And he was always like a role player, even in Vancouver. He did play pretty well. But the the weird thing about Mott is he's fine defensively, but he's an offensive black hole. And that felt more pronounced in Ottawa, where we got less good defense and more offensive black hole. Yeah, but you know what, though? And I, I don't want to throw Matthew Joseph under the bus, but even he's been kind of like that through this season where he's had games where you watch him and you're like, I don't know about this guy. He's a he's obviously a good player. You sit, you see what he did in Tampa Bay, and it's like, yeah, he's playing good. But how much of that was playing with Tampa Bay as opposed to the roster we have? Yeah, it does make you wonder about... I do miss Nick Paul. I still think the Joseph trade has the possibility to, to be in uh, Pierre Dorian's favor, but again, hard to see. Yeah, it's one of those deals that the early results have not been there. But you know what, though? I got to say, that was a great trade for Tampa Bay, only because Nick Paul knocked off Toronto in Game 7. Oh, that was very funny. You know what? I like to think that was a win for the Senators. In its own way. We did this. The other weird thing, though, is like, since joining the Senators, sorry, since the start of the season, Matthew Joseph's just gone very, he's another player who's finishing is just all of a sudden left him. Mm -hmm. And that's happened to a lot of Senators this year. So it might just be that, like, Matthew Joseph's defense is still good. His penalty killing is still great. It could just be the guys unlucky again. Yeah. And I know people have even said that about Shane Pinto, too, because it seems like he was red hot. And then it just kind of vanished. Yeah. Like, I think for Matthew Joseph, he's another science player who's just unlucky. Yeah. There's a few guys on the roster. I think I think you could probably even put Drake Batherson on that list, too, because he's even he's had games where you watch him and you're like, where is his finishing gone? Yeah. I understand that the talent around him, but you're still considered one of the big guys. Yeah. Like, I know even on social media, there's been talk, like, if the Senators had to trade one of the pieces of the core to bring in a big defenseman or whatever to help, a lot of people I've heard that people are willing to trade Batherson. Like, I want to get your take, because I know you're a Batherson guy. He's just, it's, just watching the games, it's been bad luck. It really has been, like, I'd say his defense is even better than it was last year. The the offense, while not there, like you can see where it's coming from. The set the setup play is still good. 
He's been great on the penalty power play, great, great on five, very good on five on five, and he's 24. Like, I think the finishing will come back. And if not, the setup play is still there. Yeah. So you're thinking maybe it's just, again, just a, just an unlucky season. Unlucky, but do you think it's also maybe an overreaction on social media? Oh, come on. That's all sense Twitter is. I know, but still. This, this is his first negative fi- finishing season in, a, in his career. No, I think since Twitter's found another whipping boy that we'll talk about in the next game we're going to talk about, Tim. Honestly, they need a hobby. Okay, a different hobby. You know, since Twitter, I've always... I I really tried to not tweet out, like, what I really think of since Twitter a lot of the time. My thought is, like, you know... Do you really need to be on Twitter? Do you really need to comment every day? Like, just put the phone down and go for a walk. Like, try coin collecting. Very soothing. Maybe start a stamp collection. Yeah. Consider video games or running. Or do what we do. Start a podcast six years ago and just give our honest thoughts here instead of on Twitter. Well, it's also just like... We've had our moments, though, if we're being honest. At some points, like, is this actually any better than Leafs Twitter or Habs Twitter? Mm, Okay, that's a good point. Okay, number one, I think we're better than Habs Twitter because Habs Twitter has a tendency to really overrate everybody they have on their roster. Well, it also just tends to be very dumb. That too. I think with sense Twitter, though, is that there's always a sense that they have fun at times with the losing. Where Toronto fans are like, you, you have a team that's in what a top five team and you're still miserable and bitching about everything. It's like, like I, it's like being a Boston sports fan. Boston sport and Philly's okay, Philly has an excuse. Boston really doesn't, if you really think about it. Excuse. Think of it. You have the Patriots who've owned the NFL for the last 20 years. You've had the Red Sox who won World Series recently. You've had the Bruins who've just been killing teams left and right. And you have the Celtics. Yeah. Four teams have won championships in the last 15 years. And you still find a reason to bitch. It's like, actually, Bill Burr mentioned this in an interview one time about, because he's from Boston. And he says, you know, I always, he says, you know, I always thought after the Bruins won the cup in 2011, that I would not have to bitch about my teams. Cause I've seen all four of my teams win championships and yet I still find reasons to bitch about the teams. You know what? Maybe that's, that's just being a right? sports fan. Maybe that's just being a sports fan. It is. It's like the meme I saw one time that men will pick their favorite sports teams at 11 and let it ruin their life. Yeah, let it ruin them for the rest of their life. I felt so seen when I saw that. I was like, oh. I'm so mad. So do you want to have him talking to about the third and final game of the evening, Tim? Yeah, just just a weird game. It's actually just the inverse of the Calgary game. Yeah, pretty much, man. Pretty much. Blackhawks versus Senators. This is a 4-3 to three Blackhawks overtime victory. Blackhawks goals were scored by Patrick Kane with two, Sam Lafferty, and Andreas Finasiu. Sense goals were scored by Shane Pinto, Claude Giroux, and Brady Tachuk. Shots were 32-31 for Chicago. 
Patrick Kane opens the scoring 44 seconds in to make it one nothing Blackhawks. Shane Pinto gets auto on the board to tie the game at one. Claude Giroux slides at five hole to make it two one Senators. Brady Chuck scores to make it three one. Sam Lafferty capitalizes on Shabbat's mistake to make it three two. Patrick Kane gets a second of the night to tie the game at three. And Andreas Athenasiou scores in overtime to make it four to three Blackhawks, which would be the final. So I did condense this game. It was one of those games on Friday. It was one of those days on Friday. You know when you get off work and you're tired and you just you don't feel mot- really that motivated to sit down to watch a sports game? You just nope. kind of want to just sit down and relax and do nothing? Yeah. That was that night. But this was actually a pretty cool thing because this was a game that the Ottawa Senators officially retired Chris Neal's number 25 it was really great to see him again. And I want to give a quick shout out to former third line plug guest and bot of the pod, Kevin Hemina, because Ooh. he was at a pregame event in insert podcast here. They were doing <laughs> a pre-event at one of the local bars and Kevin won some swag. And Kevin posted on his Instagram story and somebody from the crowd yells, chocolate milk for everyone. <laughs> Gotta love Kevin. What a great guy. I do actually, I do want to comment one thing here because somebody was posting about this on Twitter. There's a, I think it was a Buffalo Sabres podcast or something, you know, like the Locked On Sabres, Locked On, whatever. There was one of those podcasts, they were bitching and complaining about Chris Neal getting his jersey retired. Why? I, it just seemed like he was very, it seemed like he just really wanted a reason to bitch. And he's like, well, what did Chris Neal really do to deserve that? And I think it boils down to the fact that he's still butthurt that he killed Chris Drury in 2007. And yeah. he got suspended for it. But you know yeah. what? Chris Neal getting his jersey retired was one of those things where, like, Ken Campbell and some of the sports writers are very much polarized about this. Because they're just like, okay, so you're giving a third-line guy a jersey retirement night. Why? I do want to point to Ian Mendez's article about this because it really just goes to show how deeply ingrained Chris Neal was into the Ottawa fan, the Ottawa community. And I think that's definitely why you're in the jersey retirement where Ian covers a special relationship between Chris Neal and a young man who had a degenerative, yeah, some sort of brain seizure disease that just caused lesions all over the guy's the kid's brain and eventually he just lost the ability to speak and it seemed like chris actually wanted to spend time with this young man Mm -hmm. and he that's just the sort of person he is and i'm glad that he got recognized yeah it's funny because chris neal was one of these guys now i can't recall if we mentioned this when the story came out that his jersey was being retired because I I can't remember where we done that if whether we were cool with this or we thought he should have been in the ring of honor and it's funny because I had a guy one of the trades guys at work who's a Leafs fan was asking me about this about what I thought about Chris Neal getting a jersey retirement and I says well you know it's pretty cool to be honest with you because given he's the one of the only guys who's played his entire career in Ottawa he's meant so much to the organization but. There's a very good argument people could say, well, why not put him in the Ring of Honor? Yeah, but 
Either way, I'm fine with him being recognized. You know? Exactly. Like, I'm cool with it. Chris Neal is one of my favorite senators of all time. Gotta love him. But even with the Ring of Honor, and I said to him, uh, one of the trans guys, I was like, you know what? There's just so many guys in our history that you could put in the Ring of Honor and the fans would love it. Fans would be across the board, be like, yes. You know, you think of some of the guys like, there's guys, but then there's guys who are very much, okay, do you Jersey retirement or do you Ring of Honor? There's a few guys that really come to mind. Spatza is one of those guys. Carlson's one of those guys. It's going to be interesting in the next 10, 15 years when guys like Brady and Stutzla and these guys retire. Who out of this group gets their jersey retired? The Ring of Honor is obvious because, you know, it's more of like Danny Heatley, Patrick Oleem, Yashin. Wade Redden, yeah. Wade Redden. We did episode three years ago about this. Which people tend to forget when people, when all the conversation on Twitter happens about, oh, this guy should have his jersey retired or they should be in the Ring of Honor. And I'm looking at these comments going like, if only they just listened to our COVID episodes because we covered all this about three years ago. Yeah. You should just like post that. Anytime you see that, just post the episode. Yes, I, I have. But it's to the point of like, is it, does it make a difference or is it just being annoying? That's true. We do it anyway. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about this game. Now, I think it was very, very heartbreaking that the Sens had a 3-1 lead and the Blackhawks came back. But you know, it's one of those things where watching it, everything just went right through the goalie. Yeah, but it was also, the Sens weren't exactly playing too hard. But yeah, at a .88, you need a bit better. Mm-hmm. Now, I do have one comment I really want to make on this game, Tim. Yeah. Now, through our history, we've always talked about Sense Twitter whipping boys. Yeah. There's been some names on the list Tom Pyatt, Cody Cece, Johnny Oduya. There's been some names on the board. Did you ever think we would see the day where Thomas Shabbat is on that list now? I don't even really get this one because it was one bobbled play. Shit happens. He's been getting shit on Twitter all season, though. That's the thing that really surprises me is like, okay, so like people, it's almost like I'm trying to think of the term right now when you're very not not short-sighted, but you're Bryce, what's the word I want to use here? It's very much you have like uh, short-term, myopic. Mem- short-term memory. We're basically mm you only think of it more recently where you don't think of it long-term. Oh, a recent, but recency bias. Thank you. Yeah. Because you look at, yeah, you could criticize Shabbat. Cause even we've said this on the show, like we've watched Thomas Shabbat and we're sitting there and we're like, I don't know. Like he really hasn't looked like himself this season. Now, how much of that really is because Jake Sanderson's really stepped up and took some of the load off of him how much of this has really just been him being cooked. But also you got to realize how many seasons have we gone through where Thomas Shabbat has played 30 plus minutes a night, every single night for what? Three seasons. Yeah. Since and he's come off a bunch of injuries left. this year too. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean, it's really sad because Thomas Shabbat's one of those guys and 
I've mentioned on the show, it's almost like you kind of forget about Shabbat with all the talent we have up front. But between him and Batherson, it just kind of seems like since Twitter, it, it's almost like they need a reason to have a whipping boy. And they will find the most, possibly even the most nitpicky of reasons. And I find with Shabbat, I find it's just, they're just piling on a guy who maybe hasn't looked like his dominant self. Yeah. And that's, to me, I think that's wrong. Because, obviously, a lot of the players aren't on Twitter. They're now moving to, like, Instagram and all that stuff. So, But Instagram seems a lot friendlier place. Twitter just seems so... Obviously, toxic is the word, but hostile at times to the players. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, again, going back to our reason about since Twitter, it's like, you know, just put your phone down and go for a walk. Have a Kool-Aid. I don't know. I know, but it's funny how since Twitter has been one of these places this season where it's like, we win two games. We're like, yeah, oh, man, we're going to make the playoffs. We lose one. It's like, well, I guess we're going after Connor Bernard now. It's yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, how... Like, are you guys so irrational right now where you need where the you swing both ways where it's like, yeah, we're gonna make the playoffs to Connor Bergard. How the hell do you go from there? Zero confidence in your team. Yeah, especially in a season where I I think it's because a lot of people thought we were a playoff team. Yeah. A lot of the fans, maybe it was because fans wanted a reason to think that we were a playoff team this year. Yeah. And when we're not there yet, fans are mad. But we're also so close. Yeah. And I get it. And I this, this season's a step forward. Exactly. I mean, I understand that. Ah, fuck it. I'm just going to say it. Everybody on Twitter, it seems like Sean Simpson really is the guy that's like just stoking the flames for fucking everything. <laughs> I, he just. Seems like he's just trolling everybody at this point. He goes, yeah, there's no reason to go after Debrinkat. There, I said it. Yeah, no, but that that's what he does. Yeah, it's almost like... And we said this even about... Between him and Garriock, it's almost like no wonder the fans have such a negative reaction towards them. Where it's like Sean Simpson's just being a troll. Garriock just seems like... What what's the word I want to use here, Tim? I don't know. He he always seems a bit condescending at times to the fans, but again, they, there's some there's certain fans when they message him on Twitter, they really deserve it. Yeah. It's like, look, we've said this. Bruce Garriock's had opinions that we didn't agree with. We didn't tweet at him. We read it, we disagreed, we moved on. Yeah. So take a take a note from us. Sense Twitter. Hashtag go outside. Yeah, that's right. Go outside. Well, I don't know. I mean, in Ottawa, it's pretty cold right now. So okay, yeah, maybe don't. Not everybody could be like me living on Vancouver Island, where we're in the pluses. Yeah, you and your nice warm weather. Well, apparently, we're supposed to get snow too this week. So. Oh no. Yep. I'm blaming Katrina's mom. Okay. I'm. Kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah, because you know what's funny? Because Katrina's mom and dad are coming out this week. Anytime her mom has ever come to the island, what kind of weather do we have? We get snow, we get really bad rain, 
which I mean that's common anyway, but we yeah. get it really bad when she's out here. And when we heard when I heard this morning that we were supposed to get snow this week, I was like, Oh, for crock's sake, son. I said to her, Is this babe? That's it. I'm blaming your mom for this. <laughs> but yeah, this is just a rough game. Yeah, thankfully I didn't watch it. But then again, I didn't get a chance to watch the St. Louis game yesterday either. And that seems like a game that I would have enjoyed. Yeah. Actually, the Bruins game this on Monday morning was really good too. Despite yeah. Ottawa losing and it being a schedule loss, they, they played their hearts out. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that this morning. So it wasn't too bad. So, Tim. Do you have any more comments you want to make on these episodes on these games before we head off to the close? For not really. Episode? Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud, as well as you can find us on both Instagram and Twitter at Third Line Plug. You can find me on both at Great White Gipster, and you can find Tim on Twitter and yet still not on Instagram. At M901 Honey Badger on Twitter. So, Tim, for the games of the week. Now, we just mentioned we two of the games that we're going to talk about for next week. Yesterday's game versus the St. Louis Blues, which we won 7-2 to for Star Wars, nay. <laughs> yeah. Right? Today's game versus the Boston Bruins in Boston, which was a 3-1 loss. Friday, we traveled down to Carolina to play the Carolina Hurricanes. And Saturday, we traveled to Montreal to play. La Canadian. So we've already watched two of the three games for next week. We got four games this week. Oh, four. Oh, yeah. Man, I count. Or is this more, man, Tim listens? Yes. Yes. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go, Sam, guys. Woo!